Think about a conflict that you have had in your life, maybe recently. And as you think about that conflict with another person, when you think about how you were hoping to resolve that conflict, honestly, what was your goal in resolving the conflict? What was the aim of resolving the conflict? And I mean, you got to be honest, okay? Get real with yourself here for just a minute. When I think about this conflict, what did I want to accomplish in the resolution? Why did I want to resolve it? Now, if you're brave, turn to one of your neighbors, friends, strangers, whoever may be around you, if you're so inclined. Take 90 seconds and share with them, you know, 10 seconds of the conflict. You don't have to use names. You don't have to say it's the guy sitting next to me. Okay, you can, you know, keep, keep it anonymous. And just tell them in this conflict, I realized that my goal in the conflict was fill in the blank. And go. Good, a couple brave people. All right. Let's bring it bring it in. <laughs> I know that wasn't enough and so afterwards when you uh go to lunch with someone you can share further. Now you have fodder for conversation when you uh take someone else out to lunch. <laughs> um that's what I want to talk about today, though, is, is what do we hope to accomplish in the context of conflict, and why does that matter? Our, our series that we're doing is called Peacemakers, right? I introduced it last week, and we talked about the fact that we are called, as followers of Christ, to be peacemakers, ones who make peace, ones who bring reconciliation to the table, ones who, who bring reconciliation to relationships, uh, we are called to be people who actually calm situations, who actually enter the situations and bring resolution to things. Sometimes that means we have to start by stirring it up a bit, right? I mean, Jesus turned tables over in the temple because what was going on was wrong. He, he stirred things up so that there could be true reconciliation. So I'm not saying we're supposed to be a bunch of, you know, doormats who walk around just trying to make everybody happy. But there is a sense that we as followers of Christ, as the church are to be the ones who, as we put it last week from Galatians, sow seeds of peace so that we can reap a harvest of righteousness. So this past week, I'm just wondering, did you encounter conflict of any kind? And if you did, 
We, we said there are different reactions. We, we said there are basically three. We, I showed you the uh, nice little diagram. I think we've got it. You might have to skip a slide to get to it there, Elizabeth. But uh, I showed you the, the slide that had the, the, the arc, right? And, and said you could, you could do an escape response, which we called peace fakers, right? Those are people who just pretend like nothing's wrong that, or they run away so that they don't have to deal with the conflict. Or you could do an attack response, which we called the peace breakers. Those are people who say, you know what, I'm just going to attack. Maybe it's, it's a lawsuit. Maybe it's physical. Maybe it's, you know, passive aggressive. Uh, maybe it's emotional, verbal, whatever. But I'm going to just get my way out of this in, in any way that I can. But then there's the middle, and that's what we call peacemakers. And we said there are four parts to being a peacemaker, and that's what we're going to look at this week and the next three is number one was to, to go higher. And that's what we're going to look at today. We said the second thing is to get real, where we're honest with who we are and what we're doing in our part of the conflict, of the, of the issue. We said third one then is to, to gently engage. And that's, we're going to talk about what it means to confront someone, right? To speak the truth in love when someone has wronged you. Uh, and then the last one is get together. And that's about reconciliation. What does it mean to actually find reconciliation in the midst of an argument, in the midst of troubles between people? And, and how can we actually get to that point? And that's a long ways off for, for many of us in the context of the conflicts that we're experiencing. But how could we eventually get there? What would that look like? So today we're going to look at step one, which is go higher. How can I glorify God in this situation? And so I'm going to ask you in, in your mind to, to begin thinking about a conflict that you are experiencing and that you're in the midst of. Maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home, maybe it's a school, in the neighborhood, I don't know where, but wherever it might be, a conflict that, that you just know of. It doesn't have to be one that's you know, hot and you're gonna, you know, just about ready to go to court over it, but just think of a conflict. And kind of hold that in your mind as we reflect on what it means to glorify God within that situation. Scripture tells us, 1 uh, Corinthians 10.31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, even handling conflict, we are to do to the glory of God. To, to glorify God is to draw attention to his greatness. When you glorify God, you point people, you point out God's greatness. If I am doing that... It's amazing to me how it can change my approach to dealing with conflict. When my goal of entering into the, the situation is to bring glory to God, it gives me a different perspective on how I will act in the midst of it. It changes things. I mean, think about it. If, if my goal is to glorify God in how this conflict plays out and how resolution is found, how reconciliation happens, if my goal is the glory of God, then I'm far less dependent upon the outcome being in my favor to make me happy and to feel like I've accomplished what God wanted me to accomplish. I can actually focus on glorifying God, which means... I'll probably do the things that God would want me to do anyway so that ultimately I do find reconciliation. But it changes my perspective. It changes my focus. And I can begin to see 
the other person, as Lisa was saying, bearing the image of God. All of a sudden, it just changes the playing field in so many ways. Imagine if everyone involved took that approach. That would make the world a whole lot better place to be. Obviously, everyone doesn't. But we're still supposed to. And we can still sow seeds of peace in a world that doesn't necessarily want it. So in doing this, in, in trying to, you know, what, what am I doing? How can I glorify God in this situation? I think it brings up three questions that I just want to throw at you today, let you reflect on. Um, maybe at lunch or maybe later you, you sit down and you, you actually reflect even deeper with specific context with someone else. Um, first question is, what is my goal in resolving this conflict? That's why I ask you to think about that. What is your goal? What is it that, that, will, that will bring resolution and that will make me happy? What do I want to accomplish in confronting this person or in not confronting this person? What do I want to accomplish in, in entering into this situation? You know, for me, I know a lot of times one of my first goals of this is to lower the tension because I don't like tension. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything not to have someone upset. Again, not healthy, <laughs> okay? It's not always the best approach, but I know that's my default setting if I don't consciously think about it. My goal is to lower the tension and just make somebody else not be upset. Now, does that really bring resolution? No, but I know that's my goal. There have been times when my goal is to prove how wrong that other person was. I mean, I, I coached basketball last night. We had a game, and uh, JV played. That's what I coached, and I'm an assistant on the varsity. In the varsity game, I mean, the refs were so bad, and I know every coach says that, okay? But, uh, like, the fans from the other team acknowledged how terrible and how one-sided the, the refs were, and, and it was just really, uh, I mean, it, it, it was bad, okay? And, and I remember thinking, you know, th that we just wanted to argue with this ref and just lay into him. And, and I was thinking, okay, what's the goal, right? Why, why do I want to do this? Because I want to prove how terrible he is and that he's a bad person and that no one should ever like him again, right? I mean, that's, that's, that was my thought process. And, uh, and so, you know, you, you kind of get into the conflict, don't you? And, and that's what I, I want to ask is, you know, what do we want to accomplish when we enter into a conflict? Now, as a coach, there are times, I mean, and last night the head coach did this. We, we actually went to the point where we got a technical foul called on, on him because he was arguing. And he did it for a reason, though. It wasn't just, it was so that he could get the attention of not only the ref, but he wanted to, our guys to see we were on their side. And we were fighting for them just as hard as they were fighting in the game. And we wanted the parents to see that as well because the parents were getting really upset and someone needed to calm them down and the only way was for this to happen. And, and so there was, a, there was a reason to engage in the conflict, even if the outcome was not necessarily in you know, the best thing for us because technical and coaches had to sit the whole game and they got two free throws and all that fun stuff, but you know, we had to think it through. What's the goal? If the goal is to calm the crowd, calm the kids, then you enter it with that in mind. When we enter into conflicts in real life, 
we have to ask ourselves, well, what are we hoping to do? See, there's, there's a horizontal aspect to our life where it's how we relate to the people around us, right? Horizontal. But there's also a vertical, and that's how we relate to God. And we have to understand that even in the context of conflicts, both of those, horizontal and vertical, work together. And we can't leave one out. If we leave the vertical relationship out and only focus on getting our way in the horizontal thing, then then we're going to miss out on some amazing things that God can come in and do. But when we begin to focus on the vertical, the horizontal comes into perspective. Because we begin to understand what God did for us so that we can now do the same for others. What's my goal in this conflict? Is it to glorify God or is it to get my way or to get my money back or to make that person look bad or to win the argument? Because sometimes glorifying God and winning the argument, they don't go hand in hand. Even if you're right. Second question. Is this issue worth fighting over? Seeking God's glory first provides perspective. In the grand scheme of things, I can say from God's perspective, is this issue worth a major blow up? And and really we say, can I overlook this offense? Someone cuts you off in traffic. Okay, do, do I need to you know, chase them down, run them off the road and, you know, try to pin them into the ditch or something? No, is, is that, or could I just go, oh, wow, they probably had a rough day or I bet they're in a hurry or maybe they just have to pee. I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and so you have to ask, is this something I could overlook? Scripture says over and over, I mean, Proverbs 19.11, a person, person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 17.14, starting a, a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. In other words, don't keep replying, right? Don't, don't keep commenting. Don't keep uh, egging on the conversation. Sometimes it's better just, just back off. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Ephesians 4, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. I like that, making allowance for each other. Making allowance for each other's faults. Making allowance for the fact that sometimes people have a bad day. Sometimes people just get something stuck in their head and they can't move past it. Sometimes life's just hard. See, to overlook an offense, and I want to make this really clear. To overlook an offense is an active response to the conflict. It is not a passive response. It is not a, I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen response. It is an active choice that says, that person wronged me. 
and I am going to choose not to brood over this. I'm going to choose not to dwell on this. I'm going to choose not to bring this up over and over. I'm going to choose not to talk about this with everyone else around me. I'm going to choose to let it go and to move on. It's not pretending like nothing ever happened. It's truly moving past it without confronting the person. It's saying, I'm not going to hold on to it. Now, we also have to respond, what happens, you know, are there things that we just shouldn't overlook, right? Does, is, does the Bible tell us anything about, hey, you, you need to confront certain things? I mean, Jesus obviously confronted people at times. He overlooked people at times. I mean, there's lots of people who tried to hurt him, who tried to, do th- tried to undermine what he's doing that he didn't even acknowledge. But then there are others that he confronted. So let me give you, let me give you four things that I think will help you discern when to overlook a, respond, uh, overlook a conflict, to overlook a, an offense. First one, uh, it, you do not overlook the, respond, the, the issue when it's damaging your relationship with the person. Right? You, you can't just overlook something when it is undermining uh, the relationship that you have with the person. It, it's causing damage to that. It, it's hurting the way that you can connect with the person. And this could be anything from the way the tr- person is treating you, right? that they are doing things that are hurting you, that they are treating you in a terrible way, and, and therefore that relationship cannot continue that way. Okay? You can't just overlook that. You have to recognize that if it is damaging you and your relationship, you can't just overlook it and let it go. You've got to deal with it. Um, second thing, don't overlook uh, an issue when the issue is hurting other people. If a person is actively hurting other people in any way, emotionally, verbally, physically, spiritually, you can't overlook it. You've you got to bring it up. You've got to deal with it. Third, the, the issue is hurting the offender. Uh, there are times that people do stuff that are it's self-destructive, and they just don't know it. They don't realize the spiral they are headed down. And you can't just overlook that. You've got to confront it. It doesn't mean that they will change. Okay? It doesn't mean that, that if I just walk in and I say the exact right words, everything will be fine, and they'll say, oh, wow, yeah, I guess that is kind of bad. I should stop. Thank you for bringing that up. Anybody ever had that response to confrontation? Right? I mean, that, that's, not, that's not real life. We wish it always turned out that way. But we also need to, what I have found at least, is that you know, that initial confrontation is, hey, I just want to let you know that what you're doing is not only hurting others, it's hurting you Generally, the response is not, wow, that's amazing. It's, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand. You're probably right, but maybe we could work through this. And then over time, we may come back to, wow, I'm so glad that even though I responded mean, you at least took the time to confront that because I needed someone to do that. So we can't overlook it if it's hurting the offender. And we can't overlook it if the issue is significantly dishonoring to God. I know this one is extremely subjective, right? I mean, how do we know if it's significantly 
dishonoring to God. That's the point. But I do think when you are spending time in the word, you are spending time in prayer, and you are open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, it will be clear to you that this is an issue that we can't just overlook. A person is doing something that is actively dishonoring God, especially within the context of the church. Obviously, in the world today, lots of people are dishonoring God in what they're doing, and we can't confront all of them, and that's not necessarily our place. But within this community, right, the church community, if someone is doing something that is actively dishonoring God, we can't just overlook it. We have to gently, and we'll get to that over the next few weeks, okay, this is just week one, we have to engage them. We have to talk through it. We have to, to confront. A major moral lapse of a leader, of a spiritual leader, can't be overlooked. Right? A, a, a leader, a spiritual leader who is leading people down the wrong path can't, can't be overlooked. So, don't overlook it if it's damaging you or your relationship. Don't, don't overlook it if it's hurting other people, uh, if the issue is hurting the offender, or if the issue is significantly dishonoring to God. If it doesn't meet those criteria, sometimes overlooking an offense can bring glory to God. It, it can actually elevate God's glory in ways that maybe we didn't expect. Last question. What does the way I'm approaching this conflict say about God. And, and this is the tough one. And, and I, I like, Lisa, that you said that. We didn't actually plan this, but I like the way you said it. You know, we, not only are the people around us bearing God's image and we need to see God in them, right? We're bearing God's image, which means we are representing God to the world. And so the way we handle conflict demonstrates to the world how we view God. And it gives them a picture of God that maybe we do, maybe we don't want them to have. You see, when we encounter conflict, we have to ask ourselves, what, the way I react to it, as a follower of Christ, what does that say about me? And what does it say that I'm saying about God? John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another, that's what's going to show people that you're followers of Christ. Not your amazingly articulated theological arguments. Not the amazing band and all the worship songs that you guys can do. And not the amazing buildings that you've built. But the way you love each other. Romans 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. When we welcome each other, when we 
love each other, when we even enter into conflict with one another with that overarching sense of love, it brings glory to God and it tells the world what God is like. And whether you like it or not, the way you approach conflict is part of your testimony of who God is to this world. So before we do anything else, we we have to ask ourselves, can I glorify God in the midst of this situation, this conflict? This is where we see the gospel at work in our everyday life. Not just the the gospel that says, oh, just believe this and, and then you'll go to heaven someday. But the gospel that says God came as Jesus and he reconciled us to himself. And so now, when we are able to reconcile others to ourselves and us to them, we are demonstrating the gospel. We are living out the gospel in a very real way. Now, this is only step one. Go higher. There's still three more, and we'll get practical, and we'll wrestle through some issues that, are, that are, can be a struggle sometimes and questions that are not easy to address. But today, I just want to ask you, are you able to glorify God in whatever conflict it is that I've asked you to hold kind of in the back of your head through, uh, through this morning? Are you able in what you're doing to bring glory to God in it? Are you doing things that move towards God's glory or not? Maybe this morning, as we wrap up, you need just a few minutes of quiet just to reflect on that. And you know me, I'm not big into emotional manipulation or anything like that. I'm not going to ask you to you know, stand up or do anything like that, but I'm just going to ask Matt and Adam to, to play a song and you can sing along or you can just sit quietly and reflect for just a few minutes. How am I handling conflict in such a way that God is glorified? Or am I simply handling the conflict so that my goals are met? Maybe this morning you just need to sit and pray and that's fine. And maybe you want to have someone pray with you because it's gotten too big, too real, too hard. Um, You're welcome to... Nobody sits in the front row anyway, right? You you can come down here and and we'll pray with you. So as we sing this, and just stay seated, you don't have to stand up. Um, Reflect. How is my actions, how are they bringing glory to God? in the midst of this conflict. Let's see.